changes. I, th- I thought we had a great week of practice. The energy in the pregame in the locker room was different. It felt like Packers again. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. If you've never listened to the show before, or you didn't listen yesterday, or you didn't listen Monday, I guess this won't really apply to you. But for the majority of you that I think maybe listen a little bit every day, or you listen somewhat routinely, I want tonight's show to be a little bit more controlled, a little bit more scripted, a little bit more on the rails, maybe. We took so many callers the last two nights, and we got a lot of gut reaction and a lot of emotional response to the Buffalo game. And to the trade deadline, two very emotional days, two very emotional shows. And I love taking calls. You know this. Love chatting with you all. This is a very collaborative two hours. But the last two nights, uh, the tail has been wagging the dog a little bit. I'm I'm trying to talk about Chase Claypool in Chicago and TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota. And we got every Tom, Dick, and Harry and McFarland calling in with F-bombs and Everyone wants to bench Rodgers, and I'm like, you got, we got to rein it in a little bit, okay? This is a group effort every night. The calls have been emotional, and people are caring about this team. They want to talk about this team, and that's great. But at the end of the day, I am the captain of the ship, and I think sometimes the captain needs to grab hold of the wheel, get the ship back on her course, you know? I think I, I, think I need to do some wheel grabbing tonight. It's not to say we're not going to take calls tonight, but it's not going to be quite the same show as we've had the last two nights. I think we need to find our footing a little bit tonight. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had an outstanding day. Uh, we're a day farther removed from the Buffalo loss, a day farther removed from the trade deadline. I think we've all had a chance to calm down a little bit, catch our breath, take a breather, relax. I do want to talk a lot about the Packers tonight still. I want to talk about the deadline, talk a little bit about what happened in Buffalo and maybe look forward to what might happen and what this game against Detroit means Sunday at noon at Ford Field. Um, I want to still talk Packers. We're not moving away from the Packers. I just wanted to be a little bit more controlled today. So I have a couple of specific things I want to hit, some takes that I want to get off, some things that I want to explain. We're going to do Slow News Wednesday. Bill Huber put out a 10 out of 10 piece last night, and I want to share some of that with you. On uh, the second half of the show, maybe we'll do a little Bucks closer to six o'clock. The Bucks play the Pistons tonight. They still have not lost, as our friend Zach Heilprin so eloquently stated in that Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update. Yeah, the Bucks haven't lost yet. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose tonight. I, I was watching against the Pistons on Monday night, and the Pistons are the young team. They're the hungry team. The Pistons don't know what they don't know, right? They're a little bit young. They're a little bit dumb. And I think the Bucks now winning what six games to start the year, six or seven games to start the year. Right, You just start to run out of gas towards the end of a winning streak. We might be due for a little bit of a correction tonight, and the Pistons are young, they're hungry, so I wouldn't be shocked if the Bucks lose tonight. But that's not what I want to talk about. I do want to talk about a couple of bucks related things, and maybe we'll do that closer to 6 o'clock. Text the show, 608-796-2558, and I'll text back and forth with you, and I'll really make an effort to read as many texts as possible. You can tweet me, at Wisco Grant. So I still want to interact. I still want to have a great back and forth tonight, but I think we need to get the train a little bit back on the tracks. And I want to start with my thoughts, my polished thoughts, my boiled down thoughts, my well thought out thoughts on the trade deadline that was yesterday. Okay. The Packers stayed true to themselves. They did nothing. 
like they always do. And so many Packers fans were so upset. I saw it on Twitter. I just had a listener, Jason, tweeted at me about 15 minutes ago, a tweet about how what the Packers are doing makes no sense. People are upset. They're confused. They're angry. I saw it on Twitter. I took a lot of calls yesterday. I was listening to Ebo's show this morning. Ebo was ticked. Rowdy was pissed. Callers were upset. To those of you who are angry, to those of you who are upset, I'm not going to tell you how to feel. I won't tell you how to feel, but I will ask, are are you new here? <laughs> Is this your first day? Did you just start your Packers fandom? Are you new? The Packers haven't made a deadline move since 2010. Do you remember who it was? It was a safety named Anthony Smith. You might ask, who? Exactly. The Packers never do anything at the trade deadline. And I'm not going to tell you to calm down. Don't be angry. You should have seen this coming. Why don't you know this team better? But as a host and a little bit of a therapist today, I am going to say all this frustration, all this anger, this isn't really about the trade deadline. The trade deadline is one small part of so many people's frustration and so many fans' anger. This isn't just about the trade deadline. And I know we talked about Everybody Loves Raymond and we referenced that show last week. I have another Everybody Loves Raymond example. If you're an Everybody Loves Raymond, if you're a Romano fan, if you're a Barone head like I am, you maybe know the scene I'm talking about. It's not just about the trade deadline. Just like with Ray and Deborah, it was not just about the can opener. Get it out in the open and deal with it. Because if there's one thing that I have learned in my many years of experience with domestic disputes, it is this. It's never just about the can opener. (laughs) It's never just about the can opener. It's never just about the trade deadline. It's never just about, as we learned later in this episode, a jar of fat, which I contend for a really lighthearted, non-serious sitcom, and I love Everybody Loves Raymond. One of the best scenes of that entire show is when, in this episode, I think it's season four, when Peter Boyle and Doris Roberts go back and forth about a jar of fat. It's like some of the best serious acting I've ever seen in a sitcom. But they have the laugh track behind it. It's got the pacing of a... So I don't really think it gets its due. So if we're talking TV, go back, watch the can opener episode, and uh, Marie and Frank go at it in a scene that's like actually really legit good. But my point, it's not just about the trade deadline. There's something more going on here. Just like in that episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, it wasn't just about the can opener. That was just the vehicle. That was just the spark that got things going. Fans are angry. They're upset. They're sad. But it's not just about the trade deadline. This is about the last three years. This is about the 2020 draft. This is about how that 2020 draft changed the direction of this Packers franchise. Everybody hated that draft. Everyone. And with good reason, right? Goody bet on the 1% by selecting Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon and Josiah DeGuara. Goody bet on the 1% chance that Jordan Love would be unbelievable and he would be so good that it would be easy to to move on from Rodgers and on to Love and the fans would accept it and Rodgers would accept it. He'd go peacefully off into the night. Do you know how low the odds were that that was going to work? It worked with Thompson and Rodgers, but Rodgers wasn't Jordan Love. Rodgers could have gone first overall. Jordan Love, it would have been a coup if one of those teams at the top of the 2020 draft took Jordan Love. But Goody bet on the 1% instead of the 50 or the 60% chance. Every draft pick is a bet, but betting that Love would be the guy, that's not a good bet. Those aren't good odds. Everyone was wrong about Josiah DeGuara. They bet on that, took him in the third round. They bet that everyone was wrong on A.J. Dillon. They took him in the second round. That's not a good bet. Those aren't good odds. And we all knew it at the time, and it was a terrible draft. And now three years later, we know it even more. 
there were some in the summer of 2020 that were like, we got to see how it plays out. Well, it's played out, and the draft blows, okay, because they could really use some extra help at wide receiver. They could use some extra help at D-line. They could use another pass rusher, and instead they have a running back who's fine and a tight end who blocks, I guess, and a quarterback that rides the bench. The 2020 draft sucked, and it changed the direction of this team, and Packers fans are mad about that. Then Packers fans are also mad that Rodgers out of nowhere gets motivated, decides to play like an MVP in 2020 and in 2021, like spiting your face by cutting off your nose. He said, oh, the Packers want to take someone? Well, screw the Packers. I'll go play out of my mind. Packers switch gears. Now we're all in. Right? Forget Jordan, Jordan Love. He's the man behind the curtain. Forget about Jordan Love. He might as well not be here. Uh, we're we're going to hide him in the back. Pay no attention to him. All in we go. We're going to extend Aaron Jones. We're going to extend David Bakhtiar, even though we never give offensive linemen third contracts. We're going to pay Aaron Rodgers $50 million a year. We're going to keep Preston Smith around for one final ride. Push money out, push money out, push money out. Very un-Packers-like. Packers fans are upset about that. Packers fans are upset that Goody tried to build for the future and then changed course and tried to go all in. And we end up getting, as I said yesterday, the best of both worlds, or rather, the worst of both worlds. The best of both worlds would be the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2020 and beat Tampa at home. And then Jordan Love turns out to be a stud and he takes over. Instead of the best case scenario, the best of both worlds, we get the worst of both worlds. Jordan Love is not good and the Packers have come up short the last couple of years. Now, last year is because of special teams. I don't think that was a direct result of any draft picks or any neglected free agency or trade deadline acquisitions. But 2020? When you had the NFC Championship game at home and you seemed to maybe be one pass catcher short, maybe one defensive back short because Kevin King got hurt and they didn't really have anyone to turn to. Yeah, that loss seemed like a direct result of you know, a little bit of neglect towards the roster. Let's be real. Goody tried to build for the future and in doing so neglected the roster that hurt them the last couple of years and then reversed course and tried to go all in. But now it might be too little too late. Now we're paying Aaron Rodgers $50 million a year. We're going to pay him a bunch of cash next year, whether he's on the field or not. They don't really have space to add anyone at the deadline. And Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, I think Dobbs will be good. I don't know about Watson, but it's going to be a couple of years in either case. Goody tried to build for the future. Then he reversed course and tried to go all in. And as Packers fans, we get the worst of both worlds. Not the best as... Hannah Montana once saying. I'm not mad about yesterday's trade deadline, honestly. If they would have added Chase Claypool, cool. All right, cool. But they didn't. Cool, fine. Also fine with that. I'm not mad about yesterday's deadline. I'm not asking the Packers to be the Rams and buy at the deadline every year and be aggressive and go all in and spend money and push money out into the future. No, no, no. I'm not asking them to do that every year. But once? Could we do it one time? Could you have traded for Tony Gonzalez back in the day? No? Okay, okay, maybe next time. Oh, Randy Moss is available? Do we want Randy Moss? Well, no, no, okay, okay, maybe next time. Oh, Marshawn Lynch is available for a mid-round pick. We got to get, oh, no, we're not, we're not doing that? Okay. My point is, you can't make a trade every year, obviously. But with the Packers, they've passed up opportunity here, opportunity there, opportunity there. And you look back over the last 10 years, and you're like, really? Okay, so you didn't want to try it once you didn't want to make a move once you couldn't just do it once i'm not asking for you to trade for every guy who comes available like sean McVay. they're giving up multiple draft picks to go get brian burns and they're giving multiple firsts to this guy that guy every guy 
That's not what I'm asking for. No, I understand that there's salary cap constraints and Aaron Rodgers makes a lot of money and draft picks are very valuable, which I think has been lost in the current discourse of the NFL and in football. But not once. You couldn't take a flyer on Randy Moss for a late round pick. You couldn't take a flyer on Marshawn Lynch. You couldn't take a flyer on Tony Gonzalez. I feel like maybe one of those guys could have put you over the top. Maybe not, but we'll never know. Right? I'm not mad about every single deadline. Just maybe one time in the last 10 years. Maybe try it. And it's the same with the draft and wide receivers, which I think is the biggest blemish on Brian Gutekind so far in his Packers career is that he just has neglected the wide receiver position. And I'm not mad about the 2020 draft. It was a poor draft, but poor drafts happen. I think it's about as bad of a draft as you can have. Like I said, every draft pick is a bet. I understand that, but those were bad bets, right? That's like a parlay with a bunch of far-fetched things. It's just not going to hit. Jordan Love, chances are he's not going to be amazing, and he's not going to get great at the same time that Aaron Rodgers declines and goes peacefully into the night. That was such a long shot, and yet Goody bet on it. A.J. Dillon wasn't even on the draft board of so many NFL teams, and Brian Gutekind's bet that, yeah, that guy's going to be a stud, and no one else sees it. A very long shot bet. With Josiah DeGuara, should have been a sixth, seventh-round pick, but Goody saw something. He said, no other team's seeing this. I'm going to bet on that. A poor bet. It's just a bad draft. But I'm not even that mad about the 2020 draft. Okay, so you didn't find a wide receiver that you liked. Well, what about 2019? Debo Samuel was in there. A.J. Brown was in there. No? Okay. Not not 2019. Well, what about 2018 draft? That didn't do it for you either. D.J. Moore was in there. Calvin Ridley, Corton Sutton, Michael Gallup. These guys were all available. You didn't? No? Okay. Okay. Another time. Oh, 2021, you didn't like Elijah Moore? He was available? Okay, so if not 2019 and not 2018 and not 2021 and not 2020... When are you going to get Rodgers some guys? If not for Tony Gonzalez, if not for Randy Moss, if not for Marshawn Lynch, if not for Chase Claypool, if not for Brandon Cooks, when are you going to go get a guy? When are you going to get your quarterback who you've committed to, who you've built your roster around, who you've tied your franchise painfully to? You're just not going to get that guy anything? Again, it's not just about this year. It's about the last 10 years. It's about the last four years, three years of Brian Gutekinst. New England showed us, the Patriots showed us at the end with Tom Brady. You need strong pass catchers around an aging quarterback. Tom Brady at the end in New England didn't really have anyone to throw to. And it looked like he might be done. And then he went to Tampa, and all of a sudden with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Gronk and Antonio Brown, he almost won two MVPs. Brian Gutekind saw that. He saw that happen and said, "Mm, uh, I'm going to draft a running back and try to build a defense. That's what I'm going to do. The neglect that Brian Gutekinds has shown to the wide receiver position has been such a dark mark on him and his tenure, and it's killed this team. If you just took Debo a couple of years ago, this team might have made a Super Bowl last year or the year before. That's one pick. It's not every draft. It's not every first-rounder that needs to go to a wide receiver. Just one here and there. Chase Claypool maybe doesn't get this team over the top, but there have been guys over the years. Gonzalez, Moss, Lynch. Okay, none of them. I'm not against the Packers sitting on their hands 90% of the time. But every once in a blue moon, you got to go for it. And the Packers just never go for it. 608-796-2558 if you want to text the show. At Wisco Grant if you want to tweet me. We're going to take a break, come back, build on this conversation to talk about wide receivers a little bit more before we get into Slow News Wednesday. Bill Huber wrote an awesome piece last night, and I want to talk about that at 4.30. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're reacting to the trade deadline yesterday. Talking a little bit about the Buffalo game and what went down in Buffalo. Most specifically about what it means moving forward. Because, I don't know. I'm not talking about, oh, how dare they call that play in the third quarter in Buffalo. I That wasn't a game they were supposed to win. Right. Maybe it would have been nice. But nobody expected them to win that game. So we're talking about what comes next. Not really specifically what went down. Alec and Menominee texts in. He says, Grant, coming at you from the banks of Lake Minoman. Oh, it's probably tolerable to sit on the shores of Lake Minoman this time of year. How do you think the narrative changes if the Packers make the playoffs? Mathematically, the Packer in it for the seventh seed. And if so, do you call the season a win? I only see them winning maybe four more games, seven or eight wins might get an NFC team in. Uh, NFC team in. Yeah, they might get in. Look, so much can change in a month in the NFL. And this is what I brought up, was it last week or the week before? Right? Remember how good the Cardinals were through seven games last year? They were like, man, the Cardinals are a bus. I don't know how anyone's stopping that team. Kyler Murray looks like the next big thing, and Hopkins and all these other receivers that they're building around, this team's legit, and they got fast, hard-hitting players on defense. And then what happened? The Packers beat them once, and they never looked like the same team. Right, That's kind of why I'm waiting to see what happens to the Eagles. Not that I don't believe in the Eagles. That roster is unbelievable. But what happens if the Eagles get punched in the mouth and a team beats them up? How do you respond from that? How do you behave moving forward? Because one result can change a team at its very core. That's why I actually kind of buy into the idea that Rodgers said, uh, I believe it was on the McAfee show the other day. No, I think it was in his postgame presser on Sunday when he said, look, if we can just get one win, I think it changes everything. That's basically what he said in 2016. Like, man, if we can just get one win, I think we can run the table. Just getting off the schneid and getting one win can make a huge difference. Yeah, they might be able to get in, Alec, but without really, really drastic fundamental changes to this team, they're not going anywhere. I think they have the capacity and the utility to make fundamental changes. I think the offensive line can make great improvements and they can clean up a lot of technique. I think these wide receivers can take strides. Romeo Dobbs has been going through it out there, playing 89 to 92% of the snaps every week. He's going to get better. Lazard is going to get healthy. Ideally, Randall Cobb gets healthy. So there's room for improvement on this team, but it's going to take a lot of improvement. They're going to need to get a lot healthier. And, you know, Joe Barry's brain is going to have to double or triple in size. But like you said, the NFC is very open. I don't know if I directly answered your question. I think you asked if the season would be a win. Um, look, unless they make the Super Bowl, I don't count the season as a win. So, no. I have a text here that says Green Bay is like the overprotective parent with draft picks. They don't take risk or they don't take risk with them. Also, Green Bay loses 17 to 20. If the Packers hold the Lions to 20 points on Sunday and they lose this game, I am, I am, oh, I'm going to be frustrated. I'm not going to be able to do anything. I, I act like, oh, if, if they lose, I'm going to, what are you going to do, Grant? What are you going to do? Get angry on your radio show? That's cute. Thank you guys for the texts. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Bobby Potus 2024 tweeted, have we tried the Nassus at wide receiver yet? Hey, don't don't tempt him because that's actually not the worst idea in the world. I think the Packers' number one issue is talented wide receiver. I think that's the biggest structural issue that this team has, and a lot of that is related to injury, right? If they were healthy, this wide receiving room would look a lot better. But then again, this wide receiver room is built of guys who are injury prone. Christian Watson's injury prone. Randall Cobb is old and injury prone. Alan Lazard, we don't talk about him as injury prone, but he's good to miss a couple of games here and there throughout the year. 
right? He had that core injury in what I believe was 2020, 2021. Missed a little time last year. These guys miss time. Sammy Watkins, Hammy Watkins. So we can talk about, oh, well, those wide receiver room would be better, but but they're all injured. Well, yeah, because it's a bunch of injury-prone guys. Shouldn't be a surprise at all that all these guys are hurt. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have to be thanking God every day when they wake up that Romeo Dobbs is still healthy and out there and learning and building along with Rodgers. Now, we'll see what happens with Toure now that he's in the mix, hopefully more moving forward. I think the lack of dynamism, lack of athleticism, the lack of fear that these wide receivers put into opposing defenses is a huge issue. And I think it might be the Packers' biggest issue, honestly. I think it's the biggest structural issue that this roster has. And it's one that Brian Gutekinds has to wear because for years during the draft, he sat on his hands and didn't take wide receivers. For years in the offseason and at the trade deadline, he sat on his hands with wide receivers. And now the cupboard is bare. Right? And we're looking around and there's no quick or cheap fix. And this team can't afford an expensive fix right now. And I'm not sure that the roster can make a quick fix. Because I don't know that this team can absorb a new wide receiver with how complicated a brand of football Rodgers plays, with all the unspoken things. It takes time. And I, I just don't know that it's fixable at the trade deadline, which is why they didn't make a move yesterday. But the lack of fear that this wide receiving group puts into opponents is a huge issue. Uh, Von Miller talked about this with Richard Sherman. I, whose podcast is this? Everybody's got a damned podcast now. By the way, hot take on podcasts, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, but hot take on podcasts, you should have to prove that you can do a show for hours every single day for years before you get to just casually do a couple of podcasts a week. You know, oh, podcasting's real fun. Okay, well, talk to me in the All-Star break when you have to come in and talk for three hours straight and there's no sports going on. You talk to me when sports shut down for six months. Yeah, can you host a show every day? Okay, well, then maybe cool it with your podcast, buddy. It's a small side note. Von Miller and Richard Sermon. This is Von Miller sharing a story from Sunday. We played, we played, we played the Packers this week. You know, I was talking to Aaron Rodgers on there. And I was asking, I was like, hey, like, why are y'all not passing the ball? Like, y'all down 17 points. Why, why are y'all not passing the ball? Like, why are y'all not passing the ball? And, like, I'm not going to tell you what he said because, you know, I'm not going to use this platform to, you know, to get started but i was asking him like hey like why y'all not passing the ball man no 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 i'll tell you what aaron said i ain't got nobody to throw it to i don't trust none of them i wish i could throw it to myself that's what he said to me like i don't trust these boys <laughs> they couldn't catch a cold in a snowstorm in alaska like that's what he said oh <laughs> uh, oh that's funny god i i can't believe i need i need to listen to that podcast every day speaking of podcasts it sounds great yeah, I, I just don't think there's a lot of juice at wide receiver. Doesn't mean they're not taking steps. Doesn't mean they're not taking strides. Romeo Dobbs made some brilliant plays the other night, and that touchdown from Samari Toure was a great adjustment, a great play, but there's just not a lot there. You can have a couple of plays every game, but that's really all they're getting. You really feel the neglect that Brian Gutekinds has shown this wide receiving room the last three or four years. Let's talk to Chad in Sun Prairie. Wisco Chad, 608-796-2558. What's up, Chad? It's been a while. It's been a while. It has. Yeah, I'm excited to hear from you. I mean, you know, I kind of look at this as like the Packers kind of skipping leg day a little bit. Uh. Uh, the fact that you can't have good wide receivers if you don't have any time to throw the ball. Uh. They have no – their offensive line has been horrendous. And mostly – I mean, part of it is because of instability, but the other part of it is is like we went in – 
end of the year trying to count on two people whose ACL may or may not hold be held together with duct tape and uh, chicken wire. Yeah. So I mean, it's you, you you really think that the lack of wide receiver talent is more concerning than the fact that Rodgers can't seem to stay upright for more than three seconds? Yeah, because They're if you have wide receivers two. that can get open right away, then the pressure doesn't have time to get to the quarterback, right? I, that's I, I think something that we don't talk about nearly enough. I it's not reasonable in the NFL in 2022 with the high level athletic edge rushers that we have now. It's not reasonable to expect three or four seconds to throw the ball. The ball's got to come out, and when wide receivers can't get open, the ball can't get out, and that's the issue. But I mean, some of the routes and some of the things, some of the concepts that worked even in years past, like. They're there. They just they're developing. They develop just as Rogers is getting hit because he's yeah. got guys in his face instantly. I, I just again, I, I don't necessarily believe that the wide receiver talent is that terrible, is that big of a fall off. I, I mean, obviously Devonte Adams being top tier, but then your number two guy, like everybody else that caught balls last year, it's not that big of a fall off, is it? Yeah, but I, I think like this is this is the deal with Steph Curry too. Steph Curry's gravity, right? How he pulls the defense towards him. That's the same with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams was brilliant and he would distract half of the defense. So Alan Lazard could get open in advantageous spots, and right, Randall Cobb could get open in advantageous spots. Now when the defense can play honest to goodness straight up on these guys, they're not as good because Devontae Adams isn't there with that gravity. I guess I, I understand that, and that's kind of the focus of, like, having the running attack. I, again, I think that, you know, if they don't get behind in that game against the Bills by a touchdown, mm-hmm. and that touchdown that was kind of pulled off the board inadvertently um, for a phantom call that they've been plagued with phantom calls for two weeks in a row that have really changed the tide a little bit, uh, again, you know, it, it's, if the queen had balls, she'd be the king. But I still think that this team is not a bunch of losers. I think there's hope. I've, I've said this all week. Like That was the most inspiring loss I've seen the Packers have in probably a decade. Yeah, I'm with you, Chad. I, I agree with you on the Robert Tunyon thing. Like If a couple of things go differently, the Packers are right in that game. And I appreciate the call. It was nice to hear from you, Chad. Have an awesome night. A couple of things go differently for the Packers. They're really close to winning that game. And if a couple of things go differently, they're getting blown out, right? If Josh Allen and the Bills don't take their foot off the gas, things change a little bit. Vagabond John texts in, and this is a great example. He says, do the Bengals have good receivers? Then why is Joe Burrow getting sacked if they have good receivers? This is very easy because Joe Burrow is addicted to holding on to the football. That's a Joe Burrow problem. Uh, And because his coach stinks. (laughs) Zach Taylor is not a good coach. Zach Taylor's response to anything is give Joe Mixon the ball more. That's, I don't even want to do the Bengals. I don't have time for the Bengals. I don't have a mental capacity to talk about what the Bengals do that is oh so dumb. And it's mostly Joe Burrow holding the ball too long. And you see this with a lot of quarterbacks, Vagabond John. You ever notice how poor offensive lines seem to follow Russell Wilson around? Or bad offensive lines seem to just find Joe Burrow? There's certain quarterbacks that don't get rid of the ball. And then there are certain head coaches, too, that don't scheme wide receivers quickly. And Zach Taylor's one. So that's the combination that you have in. In, uh, in Cincinnati. You need a certain baseline of competence with O-line, and the Packers haven't had that baseline of competence. Like, there's been plays where it's just a jailbreak. Obviously, yes, they need to be better than that. But you can't expect three or four seconds behind your offensive line against some of these defensive fronts in the NFL these days. It's just not realistic. 
So if the ball can come out in two and a half seconds, it's got to come out in two and a half seconds. If the offensive line can buy you that much time on average or a little bit more than average, I'd say more than half of your plays, three quarters of your plays, you got to cook with that, right? And you hope that the offensive line takes steps and gets better throughout the year. And I think it will. 608-796-2558. Thank you for the text. Thank you for the call, Chad. Let's come back. Slow News Wednesday. Bill Huber went off last night, and I want to share you some tidbits of that piece. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. So I thought I was arguing with Vagabond John before the break, and it turns out he was asking me and then was going to agree with my answer. I thought we were going to fight Vagabond John. Because Wisco Chad called in. He said, "Uh, Grant, I don't think wide receiver is the biggest problem on this team. The offensive line can't protect. And I said, oh, 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 Chad. Au contraire, mon frere. The ball's got to come out quickly. And when you have wide receivers that can get open, you put less stress on your offensive line. You can't always expect three or four seconds of protection. And Vagabond John says, well, don't the Bengals have good wide receivers? Why is Joe Burrow getting sacked if they have good receivers? Because Joe Burrow is addicted to holding on to the ball. And this is something that plagues a lot of quarterbacks. Burrow, Wilson, Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, if we're being thorough, he is still a thing. He's going to come back. He's got that problem as well. I cracked open old pro football focus over the break to find a number that actually illustrates this. Going into Monday night's game, so this is not including Monday night's game, the pressure to sack conversion rate for Joe Burrow was 29%. Well, technically 28.9%, but let's round out to 29%, which is higher than it was last year at 27%. Meaning for every time Joe Burrow is pressured, he is sacked one out of four times, actually higher than one out of four times, closer to a third of the time. That's insane, Joe Burrow. You got to you got to get rid of the ball. Mix in some throwaways, mix in some checkdowns and that number will just naturally get better. And it frustrates me when I watch sports television and I watch debate shows, which I don't watch many of. I try to watch a little bit of um, First Things First because I really like Nick Wright and Kevin Wilds. Uh, I could take or leave Broussard, but he's been fine. Or sometimes I watch Cowherd and, and so many people are like, the Bengals spent all this money on their offensive line and still Joe Burrow is getting hit. Poor Joe Burrow. It's like, hey, have you ever considered that it's the quarterback? Like, for years, Russell Wilson had terrible offensive lines despite Seattle investing in the offensive line. You ever occur to you that maybe it was Russell Wilson? Ever occur to you that it was the quarterback? Right? Sack is a huge responsibility of the quarterback, or I should say sacks. <laughs> it's a quarterback stat to a large degree. Obviously, the Packers have had some jailbreak protections where things just melt down and fall apart. Can't have that. But snap to snap in your average type of play, the ball's just got to come out with a certain urgency. And some quarterbacks struggle with that. And with this Packers team... I think it's multifaceted. I think Rodgers sometimes likes to hold the ball, but I think this season wide receivers aren't getting open, so he doesn't have the choice to get rid of the ball quickly, even when he wants to. So a little bit of a a tangent there, a little bit of a side path, talking about pressure to sack rates and Burrow and Rodgers and why wide receivers can actually have a huge impact on protecting the quarterback just as much as the offensive line. Anyways, moving on, I want to do Slow News Wednesday. I don't read a lot of Packers stuff, at least not from the Packers beat. It's not that I'm anti-Packers beat. It's just I feel like I'm too close to the situation. Like, I follow them all on Twitter. I read all their tweets. I watch the pressers, and I hear their questions. And when I read their things, it's like, well, okay, I heard your question in the presser. That's basically just rehashing this. I read your tweets. It's basically rehash. So I normally don't read Damofsky. I normally don't read Huber or Silverstein or 
I'm not really learning anything new when I do. Now, I do like reading Tyler Dunn and Mike Sando and some of the other bigger picture writers, different perspective, you know, 10,000-foot view. But every once in a while, oh, a Packers beat writer drops a banger. Woody's good for one every once in a while, Ryan Wood. Uh, Bill Huber dropped a, a 10 out of 10 track last night, Sports Illustrated. I recommend you go read it. Or, you know what? Don't. I'll read it for you. It's Slow News Wednesday. That's the wrong sounder. It's Slow News Wednesday. Hey. This is Slow News Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show. Thank you, Zach. I really only play the sound effect because I like to use Zach's voice as much as I possibly can, if we're being honest. With this Wisconsin Sports Show Network update, I'm Zach Heil Print. I need another Zach drop. We got to get Zach back on. Zach's been busy. I don't know. We just we haven't connected. I feel like there's tension between me and Zach right now. I don't know what it is, but. It's fine. I'm the personable one in our friendship. I'll make good if I wronged Zach. And I'll get him back on the show because we miss him. Slow News Wednesday. Sometimes we don't do it. But most Wednesdays we do. We look at an article or a piece of a podcast or something. Something from the media that's interesting. Bill Huber put out an awesome piece last night. I saw all the Packers bloggers like in his replies. Great stuff, Bill. Wow, really good. Uh, Which I did too because it actually is really good. The sentence that leads the piece. You ready for this? On November 1st, 2022, Aaron Rodgers' hopes of winning a second Super Bowl ring might have ended forever. I love it, Bill. Come out and say it. Don't bury the lead. I love that. He continues. Maybe Rodgers will come back to Green Bay for another season. Maybe he'll be traded to continue his championship chase elsewhere. Or maybe this is it. And if that's the case, if Rodgers is in the midst of his final year of his legendary career, his pursuit of that long-coveted second NFL title might have ended with a whimper on Tuesday. The Green Bay Packers didn't make a move at the trade deadline. They did make a trade, or excuse me, they didn't make a trade when they had powerhouses. And they didn't make one this year, even with a roster that was begging for help. So Bill does a pretty good job outlining the circumstances again. I'm picking and choosing which parts of this I read, because I'm not just going to sit here and read an article. That would be uh, <laughs> that would be bad. That would be very bad. That would be bad radio. But Bill says, look, they've never made trades even when the teams are great. They don't make trades when the teams are bad. They don't make trades when the teams are in the middle. The Packers just don't make trades. Ted Thompson didn't do it. Brian Gutekinds doesn't do it. So to be fair, this is nothing new. They never make trades, right? Even this year when the roster was dying for an addition. Now, Bill Huber in this piece doesn't totally crush Brian Gutekinds. I think he does a pretty good job of highlighting and outlining Goody's perspective, too. He continues, and I read, end quote. I understand General Manager Brian Gutekind's perspective. He thought he had built another championship-worthy powerhouse. This one with an elite defense good enough to offset his trade of Devontae Adams. At some point, with Matt LaFleur directing the ship, Rodgers at the wheel, and three receivers added via the draft, the offense would take flight. Well, a lot wrong with that. Uh, you put Joe Barry in charge of the defense, which was mistake number one. And I do think that Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers in this offense, get it figured out at some point this year. I, I do think they're going to improve. I think they're going to get better. I thought Sunday night was a-, a good example of what the foundation of this offense should look like. Running the ball, playing through Jones and Dillon, short controlled passes here and there, going forward on fourth down to extend drives to dominate the clock, and then mixing in shot plays to Dobbs or to Toure if he's going to be the guy, or Watson should he get healthy ever, right? That's the foundation to build on moving forward, and I think this offense has room to grow. 
problem is the defense hasn't been elite. The defense has been average. It just doesn't change. It never changes. You just keep pouring resources into this defense. Nothing ever changes. Bill also continues in this piece and explains a reality that I don't think enough people talk about. I thought this was a really good point, and I'm going to continue here. Guys like Rodgers are once-in-a-generation player. That the Packers went from Brett Favre to Rodgers is impossibly improbable. Would that second-round pick that would have gone to Pittsburgh in the Claypool trade be useful in navigating the post-Rodgers path? Of course. But if you don't have a quarterback, who cares? So I agree with this line of thinking. Everyone now, retroactively, wants to talk about the haul that the Packers could have gotten for Aaron Rodgers before the season. Well, uh, imagine if they would have traded him before the season to, to Denver. Could have got Jerry Judy and Noah Fant or Bradley Chubb and a bunch of picks. Yeah, that's all great. But if Jordan Love isn't the guy, and everything the Packers have done would indicate that he is not yet, then those players don't really matter. You know what I mean? Well, you could trade Rodgers and get Judy and Fant and Chubb. Well, yeah, but who cares? What does a great edge rusher matter if, A, Joe Barry is your defensive coordinator, and, B, you don't have a quarterback to lead the team? What good is Jerry Judy, a young, growing, hope, hoping to be star wide receiver, that guy in your roster doesn't do you anything if you don't have a quarterback. Noah Fant isn't doing Seattle any favors, and they have a quarterback. Geno Smith's balling out. Everyone wants to talk about, well, if they traded Rodgers, they did this, they protect their, their assets in the future. Those assets in the future don't mean anything unless you have a quarterback. And after Rodgers, at this moment in time, it appears that they don't. So I think that's a pretty good argument for going all in or maybe not all in but being more aggressive well you got to protect this for two years down there well if two years down the road you don't have a quarterback i don't think it matters and it matters right now because aaron Rodgers is your quarterback you know 50 million dollar commitment pretty big deal bill huber continues and he addresses how Rodgers feels about this which i think is very well done again shout out bill huber he's on twitter follow him when Rodgers talks at his locker following wednesday's practice he'll probably say all the right things he'll state his belief in the receivers of the ability on the defense to turn things around, and of his ability to unleash holy hell on opponents. He'll probably also know, in his heart of hearts, that it's going to be really hard to get this team into the playoffs, let alone to a Super Bowl. He'll give it all he's got, but it probably won't be enough. I think this is very accurate. I think this is probably a pretty good approximation of how Rodgers feels right now. And he's right to feel this way. This is a fork in the moment, or a fork in the road moment, for Rodgers a little bit in the way that we see him. Because if this team goes out with a whimper, if the defense doesn't get any better and the offense doesn't take strides, maybe they deal with more injuries and it just never gets any better this season than it has been so far. Is Rodgers going to be mopey? Is he going to be angry? It would be his right if he wanted to be angry and to make a scene on the field and to be crabby in press conferences. But I hope that he doesn't do that. I hope that if he deep down knows that this team doesn't have a shot to contend and they don't get any better, I hope that he embraces this season for what it is, potentially his final year in the NFL, potentially his final year with Green Bay, and he ends his career as a fun teammate and as a mentor and as a consummate Packer so we don't remember him and our final moment with Aaron Rodgers is him being crabby and miserable. I don't want that as the final Aaron Rodgers experience. So if this is as good as the team is going to get and Rodgers plans on not being here next year or not playing at all next year, God, I hope he doesn't go out with a sour look on his face because that would really be a tough finish. Now, lastly, every song 
has a lyric that stands above the rest, right? For example, we're talking about Gordon Lightfoot. We're going to do our Edmund Fitzgerald show next week. Best line in that song, and it's hands down. We could debate two, three, four, five, but this line stands among the rest. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? There's nothing is touching that. That's that's one. That's Hall of Fame lyric right there. Bill Huber brings it home with the finest paragraph of his article and the best sentence of his article. This is 10 out of 10 stuff. Gudikins didn't go for it on Tuesday. Ultimately, in this case, it was probably the right decision. But it was a decision emblematic of the franchise's way of doing business. They've been really good at being good. They've been terrible at being great. And now, if this really is going to be the final nine games in Green Bay for Rodgers, who knows when they'll get another shot at greatness. Bill Huber, you son of a bitch. That is fantastic. They've been really good at being really good. They've been terrible at being great. That's a kick-ass lyric. That's awesome. That's a bar from Bill Huber right there. It's a really good piece. I took some of the highlights. There's more that you can read. It's all along those same lines, but I think it's a really good overarching look at what's going on with the Packers. Yes, at this trade deadline, but as we said back at 4 o'clock, it's not just about this trade deadline. It's never just about the trade deadline. There's more at work here. There's previous drafts. There's previous decisions made in the offseason. There's previous non-decisions made at previous trade deadlines. This isn't just about the last couple of days. This is about the last couple of years. And Bill Huber nailed it to go read his piece. That's Slow News Wednesday. Let's take a break. Come back. Wrap up the first hour of the Wisco Sports Show. We're back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Clemens. The NFL trade deadline passed with no deals for the Packers. Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool went to the Bears, although a number of networks say the Green Bay did offer as high as a second-round pick. The Packers play the Lions in Detroit Sunday at 3-5. and five. Aaron Rodgers says they can still turn things around. There's a lot of teams in that 4-4, four 3-5 and four, three and five range. We still have nine games left. There's a lot to play for, obviously. This is an important stretch for us coming up because we got a uh, division opponent, and then we have two games in uh, in a week uh, with uh, Dallas, who's obviously playing well, and then Tennessee is playing well. Both games at home, which is great. But, you know, it's November football now. The weather's continuing to turn, and we need to be playing our best football moving forward. Rodgers on the McAfee Show. Jair Alexander asked, did he ever imagine the Packers would have a four-game losing streak at this point of the season, and can they overcome it? Honestly, in this league, everything happens so fast. So you really got to push it to the back. You know, you really got to be critical of yourself and then on to the next game. That's what I'm going to do. Is it surprising to you know that you guys have four straight losses? Yeah. Yeah, it is surprising. I, I feel like we got really good team, really good defense. <laughs> so, yeah, it is surprising. There's been some reports of some of the Packers players complaining about the defensive game plan during the stretch. Head coach Matt LaFleur. It's impossible to please everybody. Everybody has their own opinions, their own ideas. It's like anything else in life you know you have to get the staff on the same page first and foremost and making sure that everybody is confident in the plan and then you teach it to the players that's Packers head coach Matt Floor at Lambeau Field I'm Mike Clemens best Packers coverage Mike Clemens for three Mike will be here tomorrow at 5.30. I was looking forward to chatting with Mike. Aaron Rodgers is speaking with the media right now. Someone fill me in. Did I miss something? Because I thought even earlier this year and last season, Rodgers would speak at 
one, two, three in the afternoon. Like, why is it so late? It doesn't really matter, but, you know, I'm trying to host a radio show here. I would like to hear from Rodgers. We do have a couple of quotes here. Number one, Aaron Rodgers on the trade deadline says, obviously the compensation for whatever players we were going after, it just didn't make sense. So I trust Brian and we had some good conversations. And I know we were in on some things and it obviously just didn't pan out. I wonder, I wonder if, what if Brian Goodykins ever wants to make any of these moves? I was reading a Twitter exchange today between Pete Bukowski and Aaron Rodgers. And they're talking about all the players that were retained or released over the offseason. Like they lost Devontae Adams. We know that, but you know, a player like MVS and they were comparing the departure of MVS to the departure of Micah Hyde where the Packers just didn't really try that hard to keep him. And people were jumping in. And I think it was Pete who said, well, you know, they, they tried to keep Micah Hyde. They tried. And I, I read this. And I'm like, try harder. Oh, you tried to get Chase Claypool. Okay. Well, did you really want to get him? Cause try harder. The stakes are higher for the Packers right now than they are for the bears. Again, I'm fine that they didn't get Chase Claypool, but don't always come to us the day after and be like, well, we tried. It's like, okay, well, did you really want the player? Because if you really wanted the player, try harder. If you really wanted to keep MVS or Micah Hyde on the roster and not let them walk to other teams in free agency, then try harder. If you really wanted to get Brandon Cooks, try harder. Like if I talk to my boss after the show, he's like, hey, how was the show? I said, oh, sorry, boss. It was terrible. And he goes, what happened? I said, oh, I tried. Be like, Okay. <laughs> That's nice. Try harder. Try harder, Packers. Unless you don't really care at all and this is all lip service. And if that's the case, I don't really care. That's why I don't care that Brian Gutekinds didn't speak to the media. What's he going to say? We'll talk more about this. Open up the phones. I want to talk to some of you. Coming up next, it's the Wisco Sports Show. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Okay, I didn't think this was going to come up today, but it's gotten to the point where I have to address it. On Twitter earlier today, I took a video, and it was my snack cupboard after I went grocery shopping. And I said, look at this. Look at, look at how I've addressed my need for snacks. Right today, I bought this, that, the other thing. And last week, I bought this, that, and that's still in there. And the point was, hey, I've slowly but surely addressed my snack need over the last couple of weeks. And look at this. I have a great selection of snacks. My cupboard is full. And the point was, the Packers need to do a better job of that. And they've neglected the wide receiver position for too long now. And now to the point where they have to overpay. Now they're to the point where they have to do something drastic, like get Chase Claypool, and if they just would have, you know, been about it the last couple of years, little here, little there, wouldn't be an issue. And of course, as usual, for when I post meaningless Twitter videos that are meant to promote the show, people focus on the wrong thing. I remember posting a Twitter video in my car a couple months ago, and it was all about the Milwaukee Bucks. And I promoted some great ideas about how the Bucks could mess with the Celtics. And it came true. It planned out exactly like a bit. And all people could deal with in this video is that I was drinking coffee out of a mug while driving. Like I'm the only person to have ever done that. I was focusing on the wrong thing. So in this video, I show my snack cupboard and people are lighting me up in the replies. 
that I don't have good taste in snacks. Ben Kenny says this is an embarrassment to snack drawers. Ebo says I'm the Brian Gudikins of picking snacks. Y'all are out of your mind. I have a bag of tortilla chips in there that are served with salsa. I don't eat them plain. I eat them with salsa, which is not seen in the video, although one would think that that's pretty easy to put together. I have some rice cakes, which I like to eat with peanut butter. I have a bag of lightly salted almonds and a bag of wasabi soy almonds for whatever mood strikes me. I have a thing of wasabi peas, which I like to mix with the plain almonds. The wasabi peas are left over from a couple of weeks ago. I have a box of Belvita breakfast crackers in there for when I'm on the go. I have a bag of pistachios and I have a bag of veggie straws. Can someone tell me why this is such a terrible snack combination? Everyone's saying, oh, well, there's no Doritos. There's no Oreos. Yeah, I don't want to weigh a million pounds. If I fill my snack cupboard with a bunch of Doritos and a bunch of Oreos, I'll eat an entire bag when I get home. You guys understand I do have more food in my house than just what's in this video. I have salmon in the freezer. I'm going to make a a filet of salmon when I get home. Because that's, you know, you eat dinner for dinner. I don't eat snacks all the time. You guys are acting like these are the only snack items I have in my entire house. The only food items I have in my entire house. I do own a refrigerator. I do own a pantry where there is bread, bagels, oatmeal, baking ingredients, fruit, veggies, meat, fish, a lot of beer in the fridge. This is ridiculous. And I shouldn't have to defend myself like this because people should just just use common sense, okay? But Ben Kenny, he's yelling at me because I have rice cakes instead of pita chips. I like pita chips, Ben. I can't own an entire grocery store at the same time. This is just ridiculous. Go watch the video if you really care. Please go defend my honor at Wisco Grant. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. <sighs> this text says, general thought for your listeners. Are you more upset with the Packers not making a trade or with the trade the Brewers did make? Oh, the Brewers 100%. I heard them talking about this on the Zone Morning Show, Ebo and Rowdy this morning. The Brewers way worse. The Brewers are way worse. The, the Brewers shot themselves in the foot at the trade deadline. The Packers did nothing. I'm not that upset that the Packers didn't do anything at the trade deadline. It's the fact that they needed to do something at the deadline and didn't is just a microcosm of how this team has been not mismanaged, but not managed perfectly over the last four or five years. And it's really starting to show because with all that money going to Rodgers, mistakes elsewhere on the roster are highlighted even more. And we're really seeing that, that well, it's just a, a black hole of talent at wide receiver, a little bit of a talent lacking at offensive line right now, but I don't even think that's the biggest issue. And then Joe Barry, I don't even think can spell his own name. So that's an issue as well. But oh, way worse, way worse. Brewers are way worse, 100%. Hector's in on Alaska, 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector? Great snack options, by the way. Well, here's the thing. I eat here's the half thing. of those things that you said. Yeah, well, and, and you're, a, you're a food man yourself, um, and we've talked about this before. Right. Look, I like to buy snacks that are just good enough where I'll eat them. Because because if they're gross, right. I won't eat them. But if they're too good, I'll eat them all at once. So I have to walk that fine middle oh, yeah. of the road. I'm sorry that I spent money for pistachios. That's a bougie snack. That's that's a that's a high caliber snack. Pistachios is good. Like I I don't get the flack that I'm taking online, Hector. But hey, that's Twitter for you. That's Twitter. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of pistachios. Um, I do sometimes spoil myself and get the unshelled ones, but I feel like you should work for pistachios because they're that good. I, I so having to crack the you. shells. Is part of it. Also, my daughter Penelope, who is four, mm-hmm. she loves pistachios. She hates every single other nut. She won't eat peanut butter. 
She won't eat anything else, but she loves pistachios, and I get pistachio muffins from Quick Trip for her, and she goes crazy for them. So. Yeah, well, and also, and this has to be this has to be mentioned. Pistachios just look weird when they come without the shells. That's an eye test thing. Ben Kenny got in my Twitter yeah. mentions, and he I asked what his complaint was. Where is it? He said, "This is I'm going to read you his tweet. This is ridiculous." Uh, and now, of course, I can't find it. He said, well, who cares? He was he was on my case because I didn't have a finer selection of nuts. This, I almost, I almost swore. This guy, what am I supposed to have? Am I supposed to have pecans, walnuts? What am I supposed to, $12 a jar for all these different nuts? I'm just being held to an impossibly right. high standard here, Hector. Yeah. Well, they, maybe they just don't get it because, you know, I've seen you. You're built like you're ready for the Olympics. Uh, maybe like synchronized swimming or something, but you're a trim man, so yeah. it makes sense that those are your snack options. I think uh, they're they're not manly enough for those morning show guys. You know, they probably wake up and grab a Mountain Dew uh, and a cigarette and maybe some beef jerky. The thing for, is, for their morning snack. Ebo is so healthy, which is why, of all people, I don't understand Ebo coming at me because Ebo Ebo cooks like all natural foods. It's like. Uh, I want to say organic because I feel like he'd push. But, well, no, I Ebo's buys from farms, buy from butchers. Like, Ebo's a very healthy guy, which is why I don't understand him coming at me here. But we don't need to dwell on this, yeah. but I, I know you're a food guy, so we had to talk about right. that for a sec. Right, right. I just felt my uh, my 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 expertise would be would be good. But, yeah, um, I wanted to chime in when you were, you were talking before about the difference in, you know, drafting Rogers and drafting love. And it's funny because a lot of times what me and my buddies talk about in our fantasy chat and football chat, like yeah. you end up bringing up some of the same points. And we actually discussed this a couple of a week, maybe two weeks by now ago. Mm -hmm. And the best way I just could describe it was when they got Aaron Rodgers, it's like when the Ravens got Lamar because they, he fell so far that it wouldn't make sense not to take him, yeah. and he should have already been gone. When you guys got Jordan Love, that's like when the Bears moved up to get Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, yep. It didn't make sense. No one else was going to touch him, but you had an inkling that it was going to be him, and it wasn't. And sometimes that happens, and sometimes things work out, and sometimes they don't. Mitchell Trubisky did not work out. Lamar Jackson did, so... Uh, it is what it is, but like I said, I'll I'll stand on the hill like I did uh, after the trade deadline and say that they were they made the best decision they could for their team by just sitting on their hands, and they're good yeah. at that. Packers are always good at every Wisconsin sport <laughs> is good at sitting on their hands and doing nothing. I don't know if it's a Wisconsin thing, maybe because we eat too much cheese, and so you know it's hard to get our hands out from underneath us. Oh, maybe. Who knows? But I believe with what they have now, they'll be able to do just enough to have a decent season, and then they can go and get what they need to to get Rodgers back for one more year. Whether that's, you know, OBJ still out there, that's a risk that the Packers could take because you don't have to do much. You just sign them. You don't want to trade. Nothing like that. And from there, it, it all is just going to come down to next year. But... This year, they weren't going to right the ship with one Chase Claypool. No, and I agree with you, Hector, and have an awesome night. And I'm sorry to make you rant about snacks yeah, for a couple of minutes. That's our guy, Hector, in Alaska. Um, so now we're talking about next year. 
Okay, well, I don't want to dwell too much on next year, but it is worthwhile to point out that at the current time, and I want to look up some of these figures because I want to have them in front of me, Aaron Rodgers next year is set to make, and I'm on Spotrack, uh, he's set to make $53 million against the cap next year. Or that's 2026. Hold on. Oh, my God. Oh, it's even worse. Next year, next year in 2023, he's set to cost 31 against the cap, then 40 in 2024, 59 in 25, and 53 in 26. But we're just talking about next year. Aaron Rodgers' cap hit is going to go up $3 million next year. A player like Aaron Jones, who's really important to this team. Let's look up his contract. I don't know the figure for next year, but it's a lot of money. Off the top of my head, I want to think that he hits like $30 million against the cap next year. Is that just a figure that, for whatever reason, lives weirdly in my brain? It's not 30 against the cap. Next year's 2023. Potential out this year for $9 million bucks. They're probably going to do that. His cap hit next year is $20 million. Not 30, but 20 there's a lot of figures that just are untenable for next year. So the Packers might have an offseason of transition, and that might include bringing in another wide receiver in the draft or maybe trading for a young wide receiver that isn't working out somewhere else. But they're not jumping headfirst into a lot of cap space this offseason. No, no, no. They are just starting to embark on what is going to be a couple-year period that's really difficult financially. So, yeah, maybe the Packers are able to add some pass catcher at some point this offseason, but they're going to do so at the expense of guys who are already on this roster, right? And they're going to have to push more money out or restructure or whatever. Mike Silver on Twitter just tweeted at me, what are your beer rankings, one through five? My beer rankings or beer rankings in general? Uh, Number one, I'm just saying if I were to go to a bar... I don't go to breweries. I go to bars. If I'm going to a dive bar, uh, PBR 1, Miller Light 2, Liney's Light 3, Coors Light 4. I don't know what 5 would be. I'll think about it. Let's talk to Jeff in lacrosse, our Bears fan, 608-796-2558. What's up, Jeff? Well, I, I want to correct your other caller who made a lot of good points, and I'm not I'm – not, Look, Mr. Bears fan, right when I say this, but Trubisky was sought after by more than just the Bears. The Bears didn't need to go up and get him because he wasn't going to be drafted by the Niners. That yeah. was the whole thing. And But there, he was rated higher than Mahomes. You can look it up. It, it, it's incredible now, but it's true. It's Jeff, I will defend your Bears in this is, as a country. Sports fans in America love to rewrite history on drafts. Like, the Luka uh, right. Doncic draft in the NBA, people go back now and they're like, why did the Suns take Aiton? Why did why did the Kings take Bagley? Okay, well, go back and, and listen to what people were saying at the time. That was It was easy. Aiton one, can't miss. Bagley two, can't miss. Luka Doncic, maybe three. Like, no one was saying the Kings were idiots for taking Bagley at the time, but we rewrite history about drafts. We love to do it. So I'll defend your Bears there. Right, and I think what we're doing now is cleaning house we got claypool i don't know enough about him because i do not follow afc like i follow nfc but he has size he has speed i i i've heard he's a bit of a a problem child is what i've heard i don't know anything more about that but i'm excited the way fields is playing we're not neither one of our teams let's be honest we're not unless something radical happens neither one of us is going anywhere this year i mean we're not yeah i, 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 I mean, hate to say that i mean look at here's the thing though jeff 
there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of fan bases right now that are thinking the same thing, and one of these teams is going somewhere. One of these teams is making the playoffs. Like the Bears or the Packers, right. I think one of these teams probably will make the playoffs. That doesn't mean they're going to go on to be a contender, but the NFC right. is just poor. It's really poor. Yes. But I will tell you this, and I said this in June, and I probably said this a couple of times on the show, Minnesota still scares me. Top to bottom, they have an awful lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and cut, I, I, all I ever hear is Cousins can't do it. I remember Tampa Bay years ago. They can't, they can't. Everything went to get, came together one year. That's all it takes. Yeah. And it does, it's yeah. like they're the, the Braves won the World Series. I mean, did you have, did you have Philadelphia and Houston in the World Series earlier this year? I doubt it. I don't think anyone did. Well, the, t- the, the Astros are amazing. Here's the thing about baseball. Like, <laughs> All these teams that have made the World Series over the Brewers are really good teams. Like, the Nationals were a great team. The Phillies have the second, what are they, the second or third highest payroll in baseball. They're a great team. They just weren't playing very well. So, my point is that if you think the Packers are better than they've shown or the Bears are better than their record, there's no saying what they could or couldn't accomplish in terms of making the playoffs. One of these teams is going to surprise us and get in. That doesn't mean they're great like the Phillies are. The Phillies, that team's really good. Right. Right, but also it's like a friend of mine who lives in the cities and is a huge Packers fan. He he gets bombarded with Minnesota, 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 and he said they do just enough. They get every break, and they do. It's amazing what they get. Um, they they we, I went I was at the game where we played uh, the Vikings, and you know we had a we made one stupid move at the end, or we might have tied it. We had all the momentum, and we aren't better than they are, but. They're having that year where it all goes right. The Bears had that year when they made the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman, and everybody laughs when they – and then they got two people hurt in the middle of their defense and got ran all over. It wasn't Rex Grossman's fault they lost the Super Bowl. It was yeah. our defense. Yeah, And, and now our I... defense – our, our two defenses are horrible right now. Yeah, well, the Bears just trade away some talent. That Jawan Brisker guy, or Jaquan Brisker, not Jawan, Jawan Brisker. Why do the Bears draft safeties really well and the Packers just keep drafting trash? Like, haha, Clinton Dix was never any good. Haha, or not haha. Haha, Savage. Well, we had haha, and it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. We both had haha, and it wasn't haha. What my, a good (laughs) friend of mine and I talked football a little bit today, and he brought up a good point. And maybe I'm wrong on this, but he says of everybody in the division, the Vikings tackle better than Detroit, Minnesota, or Chicago. Yeah, they they might they might tackle it all better than those well, teams I don't, together. It, it, nobody tackles well, but it's going to be one of this is going to be a exciting bad. It, the quality of football. I'm I'm almost 62. The quality of football is nowhere near what it was 30 years ago, in my opinion. Well, the league just isn't good. This there's a lot of bad teams right now, and the teams that were supposed to be great aren't great and some teams that were supposed to be good aren't even good Jeff I want to talk to you a little bit throughout the season about what Justin Fields continues to do with Chase Claypool so you're going to have to carry a lot of weight as the Bears guy I want you to watch with your critical eye and give us a report of what you're seeing and and what Chase Claypool adds to the show are you up for that I'm sure good with that but I will tell you I just heard your beer rankings and I want to throw two at you that you didn't mention okay okay how about spotted cow It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. a good. It's a good beer. But people hype it up like it's the greatest liquid on planet Earth, and it's it's just a good beer. It's a good Wisconsin beer. But then the other one that I enjoy 
in once in a while is Honey Vice, um, oh, Line and Kugel's yeah, Honey yeah, Vice. Yeah, yeah. I, I like any any Lineys is great. I said Lineys light off the top of my head because typically when I go to a bar, I <laughs> I order drinks with the idea that I can have a lot of them if I want to. I don't want a drink that limits me after two or three because it'll make me sick, right? So right. I I want to, uh, uh, right. yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. I right. have to tell you one quick thing because I'm older and you'll get a kick out of this. Go ahead. When Miller Lite came out in the early 80s, you were you were less than manly initially if you drank it, and then all the athletic ads came out, and then we discovered how much you can drink of that compared to Miller, and <laughs> boom. <laughs> Dude, I wish. Now we're just used to light beer. That must have been just, oh, that must have been wild. Like the first phone with a touchscreen. It's just witchcraft. All right. I uh, I have to take a break, Jeff, but I've enjoyed this. Let's talk more about Fields and Claypool as uh, the season goes along. Will do. You have a good evening. Yeah, you as well. That's our guy, Jeff and lacrosse. Spotted Cow is good. I don't mean to be the guy who hates on Spotted Cow because that's just the guy that hates on the thing that everybody likes. No one likes that guy. So I'm not trying to be that guy, but it's just, I'm probably not going to order it when I go out. Like, I just, I don't know. I like other beers more. And again, I'm going to order beers with the idea that I can drink a lot of them if I want. And some beers don't afford me. I love Two Hearted. I love Bells. It's great. But after two, I'm like, I need to take a six hour nap because it starts to feel like I'm drinking liquefied wood. Very thick, very strong. 608-796-2558. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Talk more Packers. I have some Bucks things I want to get to before 6 o'clock as well. It's the Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I want to talk about the Packers defense because I just I want to plant my flag on a take. I just want to bookmark something uh, in case we need to come back to it. It's not that I care about being first. It's not that I care about, you know, beating someone to the punch. Well, I guess I do. I totally do. I just want to plant my flag on a take regarding the Packers defense and Joe Barry. We'll do that here in a couple of minutes. If you want to text the show, 608-796-2558. Lay off me for my snack choices. I'm perfectly comfortable and confident uh, in the choices that I make in snacks. I have a full cupboard at home right now with tortilla chips that I will dip in salsa, rice cakes that I will probably eat with peanut butter, almonds, pistachios, veggie straws, which are excellent, and pretzels, which you can dip in peanut butter. Uh, I have some of that port wine cheese in the fridge that I had with club crackers, but then I ran out of club crackers. You can dip pretzels, and that is really good. For those of you that think that that's an uninspiring snack cabinet, well, what do you want me to do? Eat 30 Oreos in one sitting? Because that's what I'll do if I buy Oreos. Right? Do you want me to eat an entire bag of Doritos and fall asleep with an open bag on my stomach? Like, I'm not. No, 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 no. So on Twitter, everyone in my mentions, just lay off. Go ahead and go outside. Take a walk. It's a nice day. Let's talk to Daniel in Madison, 608-796-2558. What's up, Daniel? What's up? I just want to say, first off, that uh, your snack cabinet's, cabinet's fine because I have a wonderful wife who cannot gain weight no matter how hard she tries. Really? And eats all of the funnest snacks in the entire world that I have to basically swear off of. Otherwise, like you said, you get big, right? She eats the Doritos and yeah. the Oreos and the Chips Ahoy, you know? And I, and I, I can't touch them. 
I'm, I'm aware not- that those are great snacks. But when I'm at the store, I look at it. I'm like, that's going to last two days, right? I need something exactly. that's going to get me through the week and that's going to exist and not be eaten right away. I'd rather, I'd just rather not even see them. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd rather have them out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. That, that aside, um, that aside, there's a lot of crap going around about the Packers. Mm-hmm. And I am not going to throw in the towel. I think that they absolutely have just as good a chance as anybody to be a wild card team this year because it's completely wide open right there. But with the Packers not performing up to their standards of the past couple of years, um, it's maybe forced me to look a little bit closer at the Bucks at the start of the year than I have the last couple of years. And I'm very, very excited moving forward. Um, so maybe that's like a positive spin on a rough October, I would yeah. say. You're positive about the Bucks, you said? Yeah. Ugh, I love watching this I've had to focus. Love this I've team. had to focus more on them. Yeah. And throwing Monday aside, it's every single one of the games has been entertaining and like I can get into it, you know, like there's there, there hasn't really been like like most of the Packer games this year and, and Badger games alike have been slogs. Like, oh, yeah. they had one cool play in the second half. That's cool. That's awesome. a, that's another but thing. The- that's another thing about the Packers is I don't know that I've had like fun watching any of the games, even the games that they've won, which have been obviously fewer than the games that they've lost. This just hasn't been a fun team to watch. Like there are teams that are losing no. games like Detroit Lions. They've had fun shootout losses. The Packers haven't had any fun losses or really any fun wins. It's been a slog. Yeah. Well, and and they're completely predictable. Like I against the Commanders a couple weeks ago, I was watching it with my wife's grandparents, and they were talking about how Rogers is going to lead them back. And I said, "Wait a second, because they were down by nine. Yeah, Rogers is going to get them back within two, but their defense isn't going to give it back to them with enough time." They're like, "What? What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, they're they're not going to get the ball back." with enough time to do anything when they actually make it close. Cause I've seen this movie before and yeah. it plays out the same way every single time. And it happened the exact same way that I said it would. And I won 10 bucks, but it was like the crappiest 10 bucks that I've ever won. You know? Yeah. Here we, I, I love that expression. I've seen this movie before and I would like to leave the theater. Uh, that's how <laughs> I feel about this Packers defense. I'm going to talk about the Packers defense after I get off the horn with you, Daniel, do you think the defense can get better? I know you said you're positive about the chances of, the Packers making the wild card, I mean, but does that include the defense? I mean, on paper, they're a top 10, right? But I, they, yeah. they definitely have the, the personnel for it. It's just, will their, will their personnel play up to their own standards, or are they going to continue doing what they've been doing, which is not that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On paper, they look great. If you read them on paper, they look great. I'm just not sure that Joe Barry mm-hmm. can read, uh, which is the issue. Yeah, Thank you, he Daniel. Been doing <laughs> he has not lot. been doing great. <laughs> Have a good night. Yeah, you too. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. That is our guy, Daniel, in Madison. With the Packers defense, I just want to play my flag on this. I don't know if you guys saw, and we talked about this for a minute with uh, Mike Clements, our guy, last night. I said, Mike, I, I, did I dream that I saw a quote from a Rob Domofsky article about certain members of the Packers defense kind of losing patience with Joe Barry? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we've heard it around the locker room. He hadn't read the Domofsky piece, and to be fair, I didn't read it either. I just saw it on Twitter. Because, again, it, it's, I'm not anti-Domofsky. I just I read all of these beat reporters' tweets. I hear their questions in press conferences. I, 
I don't often get new information from their pieces, but this one I had to read, and the quote was, according to sources close to the members of the Packers' defense, players have grown frustrated with the defensive scheme and play calling. One source said there's been, quote, a decline in confidence in the defensive scheme and what's being called, and it's led to overall frustration with the defense. Another source confirmed that sentiment. Here's what I want to plant my flag on, okay? If the Packers give up 30 points and lose in Detroit next week, Matt LaFleur's got to get rid of Joe Barry. Matt LaFleur has to lose his defensive coordinator or he's going to lose his entire team. Because, you know, I make jokes about Joe Barry. Oh, Joe Barry doesn't know how to button his own shirt. Oh, look at he tied his shoelaces together. Like, it's funny, but if I have that perception, I think that that perception exists in the locker room too. As Rob Demosky reported, and it's been confirmed by others, he's got to lose his defensive coordinator or he loses the team. I think Joe Barry is coordinating for his job this weekend. Let's take one more caller before we take a break, and then we're getting into the Bucks for a little bit. 608-796-2558. It's the Wizard, Dave and Monona. Dave, I haven't heard from you this week. What's up? It's hard to get through, man. You're popular now. All, all well. these positive callers kind of make me sick to my stomach, so I... You know, you only can take so much kumbaya and hug and kiss. Like, my God. Well, Dave, you know, you call, you know, on any given Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the last two days, it's been, oh, we're pissed off about the deadline. We're pissed off about the Buffalo game. You know, you, you're more of an everyman. You you call every day, no matter if things are nuts or if things are normal. Because people are blaming the wrong person, people. Okay. Goody has 0% to do with yesterday. How many of these stupid people out there, there's one person responsible, and that's Mr. Twelve. He is responsible because he held the team hostage. $50 million. People, they can't sign. They couldn't get Claypool. They can't get um, the receiver from Houston because because they wanted the other team to pay the majority of their salary before making the trade. Green Bay could not make a trade yesterday because they have no money under the cap because of Mr. Rogers. You know, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood holding this team hostage back in the spring. Oh, my, my feelings are hurt. My feelings are hurt. Rogers knew damn well if he uh, he, he had Goody by the balls the whole time. Cause he, I mean, he knew the fans at the time. I bet the, I bet if we fast-forwarded this happened again next spring, every fan would say, see you later, don't the door. Yeah. But no, Goody, Goody he can't do anything because Rogers has handcuffed them. Now, on the flip side... Uh, they've already lost the team. Matt LaFlunk has already lost his team already. I mean, in his sources, Rob Demosky's a clown. Anybody oh. who uses sources, 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 no, people, the sources are Alexander, because he's already public. He came out and said it. Another other DB, I can't think of the other It's not Carroll, it's the other guy. Um, Rasul Douglas um, or Eric Stokes. Yeah, Douglas. Sure. Stokes, I mean, Rasul Douglas. Those are the sources they've already said publicly. The defense stinks. I mean, one game is going to make a difference. I mean, yeah, could he still make the playoffs? But they got to beat Dallas, and they got to beat the Rams. And yeah, I mean, they, they got to roll that's, that's six out of what are they, three and four. They got to go six and um, like a nine, six and three, even even be considered. But no, people, we were never getting anybody yesterday because Aaron Rodgers, number twelve. That's just yeah. Steve Homer too had a good tweet. He goes, number twelve needs to. Um, uh, what is it? Needs to go, and I said, "Well, he can't go. He hasn't, he hasn't reached puberty yet. Yeah. He's not 13. <laughs> but well done. other than that, the Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks. You know, hey, I'm, personally, I'm glad the Bucks are doing well because a lot of my customers, yeah, they all want Bucks. They all want Bucks tickets, man. You're a business. And the more man. the, and the yeah, more the Bears keep getting beat. The Bears prices are plummeting. 
people want Packer tickets, and they said, you know, why? But, I mean, Detroit's going to put up, I mean, think of the I think if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you have to be snake bit, man. How many times have you lost on the last couple of plays of the game? Yeah, now they're trading away Hawkinson, and I don't know. It just sucks. It reminds me of the, the example that I can think of with the the uh, Lions is the Marlins, right? The Marlins a couple of years ago had Rio yep. Muto and Yelich and Ozuna and all these guys, and then just as they were about to get good, they traded them all away. It's like, well, you can't just keep rebuilding. you got to give your fans something. I feel for Lions fans. The Bears, I'm telling you, Bears fans out there, you should be excited because in two years, the Bears, Bears are going to be one of the best teams in football. You, they, they got 12 draft picks and $120 million under the cap. If that guy knows what he's doing down there, the Bears, for the next three to five years, they're going to be the dominating team in, in, dominating team in the Central because that's an awful lot of money. You can go out and buy yourself four, four all-pro studs. You got 12 picks. I mean, my God, what they're going to be able to do. And what do we got? Aaron Rodgers, $50 million a year. And I'll leave you one more last thing. Mm-hmm. What was it? A, a, quarter, a quarterback has never, ever won the Super Bowl when he takes up more than 14 or 15% of the cap. So we're going nowhere. I'm, t- I mean, you and I, I'm tired of Rodgers complaining. He goes on the radio, just go away. Take you know, take your girlfriend bewitched. You know, let her wiggle her, wiggle her nose and poof, you know, off to uh, – you know, off All to right. which, which we land. All right. Uh, thank you, Dave. Have an excellent night. You gave us a lot to work with there. He called her bewitched. That's actually funny. Uh, quickly, before we take a break, I'll touch the Rodgers contract thing. Rodgers is getting paid a lot, and that, that doesn't make it impossible for Goody to make moves. It certainly makes it a lot harder. I think there is a distinction to be made. One could argue that because Rodgers won two MVPs and he was playing like the best quarterback in the league, that he was worth that money. I'm not wanting to get into that i had jason tweet at me before the show and he copied this tweet that says uh the packers pay an aging rogers a boatload of money and they don't support him with the necessary pieces make it make sense and i edited that tweet and i said here's what it should say the packers pay an aging rogers a boatload of money and as a result it's difficult to support him with the necessary pieces right those two things are connected for a lot of people saying well why did you give aaron Rodgers that contract if you weren't going to put guys around him the contract made it hard to put guys around him, which is why the last couple of drafts were so important. And in all of those drafts, Brian Gutekinds was seemingly allergic to taking a wide receiver, as we talked about. Okay, now the show has gone full circle. Let's talk about the Bucks. Wisco Sports Show, back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. I hope you're having an awesome night. A lot of NBA games on the docket tonight. The Fighting Ben Kennys. I'm really cheering for the Phillies. Screw the Astros. Screw Mattress Mac. I hate having to read stories about him every year. It's like, oh, he's got a $75 million bet. It's like, okay, we get it. You're rich. You're like every other guy. For some reason, you like lighting your money on fire. Betting games. Congrats. I don't need need the whole Houston thing. I don't need the Mattress Mac thing. Do yourself a favor, lose to the Phillies, please. 608-796-2558. Text the show if you'd like. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. I want to talk about the Bucks for a few minutes before the show is over. I feel like we've done enough on the Packers today. Bucks play the Pistons tonight. Speaking of betting, may I give some unsolicited betting advice? The Bucks are injured, and I'm going to pull up Eric Name's 
Twitter account here, so I have the latest information, although the Bucks really hate giving out injury information. I woke up today thinking that this is probably the night where we're going to see the Bucks lose their first game of the year. They haven't lost yet. The Pistons are young. They're hungry. They don't know what they don't know. Monday night, the Pistons were supposed to lay down and die a couple of times, and they wouldn't, and they kept reeling the Bucks back in, and the Bucks were able to hang on and win, I think because of their poise and their experience, and obviously Giannis is just ridiculous. But tonight, I feel like they just maybe run out of gas. Uh, Chris Middleton's back to practice. Sandro's in concussion protocol. Drew Holiday will go through his pregame workout tonight before they decide if he can play non-COVID illness. Uh, we're seeing about Brooke Lopez as well. Here's my betting advice. If you like the Pistons in any form or fashion in tonight's game, bet them on the money line. Because I wouldn't be surprised if the Pistons were up 12 points in the third quarter and the Bucks say, yeah, screw it. And give up. So if you like the Pistons and you think the Pistons are going to be in this game and you think they're going to play well enough to cover, I might just take them on the money line. Might be bad advice. It's just the way that I feel. So that's tonight. Game starts, I believe, at 7. Uh, Boston Cleveland starts at 630. That's the game that I'm most excited to watch tonight. Sorry, Bucks. And then Portland Memphis later tonight. New Orleans Zion versus LeBron, too. The Lakers play tonight. A lot of good games. I do want to talk about the Bucks. Like I said, let the Packers breathe for a little while. Couple of games that I want to talk about, but before we get into the Bucks, Cone Roller has given us a call, and I'm just curious as to what's going on with Cone today. So I wasn't planning to take any more calls, but Cone, you're the one guy. Congratulations! I don't know if anyone else would have called, I would have taken it, but seeing you rang me up, what's going on? Uh, cornucopia now for uh, the month of November. Happy Thanksgiving to all of the Wisco Sports Show uh, listeners out there. Thank Thankful you. to have Grant on the airwaves every day. Thank you, Cornucopia Roller. That is outstanding. And I do like your new Twitter picture. I get a kick out of it. Thank you. Thank you. I worked really hard on that. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> um, but I'm glad we're, we're shifting to Bucks talk. You know, so much negativity with the Packers. But, yeah. you know, we we can at least just be grateful and happy watching this Bucks team. Um, you know, the last three, four years of Bucks basketball, it's really just the perfect team we have to yeah. watch. We are so yes. lucky to have a superstar like Giannis. Yes. Um, you know, substars in Middleton and Holiday. Brooke Lopez is always funny. Bobby Portis, just, you know, Bobby for president, POTUS. Obviously. You know, he doesn't get that nickname on accident. Yeah. So, you know, this is kind of going on to the Aaron Rodgers speak, you know, where he's all, you know, being really grateful for all the moments. I think we need to be grateful that, you know, the state of Wisconsin has these Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I find myself watching them and just having so much fun, even in what will amount to be irrelevant regular season games. Like, I was at the Bucks hawks game on Saturday night. That was so fun. I had a blast. That game was awesome. Like, I was standing up. I was cheering. I was jumping around. We were all into it. Like, Wesley Matthews drew that offensive foul to get the ball back late, and we're all just fist-pumping. Like, it was great. And it was a Saturday night in October. This team is just so fun. We need to appreciate them and enjoy them. You're right. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, one day Giannis will be, you know, washed up and we're going to be maybe calling for him to be benched for a, a new first round pick. <laughs> yeah, well, we got to see what we got without him. You know, we, we got to see what it looks like when he's not playing. I love that. Oh exactly. And then maybe we can trade the new up-and-comer to, to, to regain some of that capital. Yeah. Okay, that's the thing about Jordan Love. Quick side note before we, we go our separate ways here. No. Um, the the idea that Jordan Love now should be traded for a third-round pick to recoup some of that value. No, I'd rather just take the L. I'd rather just keep him as a backup. Sorry. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm taking the Packers take another quarterback in this next draft anyway. So, you know, whether Love's here next year or not, I don't care. Graham Mertz, possibly, is a great second half of the season. I Who knows? I don't hate that. I oh, don't hate that. Great. Awesome. Joel Stave, I still think, could have won games in the NFL. Bart Houston? I like Bart Houston a lot. Nah. Was a nah. Bart he got benched for Hornybrook. Come on. Yeah, well, there was some politics involved. We don't need to get in. We don't need to get into that. Cornucopia, thank you. Have an awesome night. Yep, thanks, Grant. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Cornucopia roller. <laughs> what? Uh, it's just, it's an excellent name. We go from corn roller to cornucopia roller. What are he's going to do for Christmas? He get some time to figure it out. Yeah, the Bucks went on Saturday night. I was there. Was maybe the Bucks are the best Bucks game I've ever been to, certainly since 2017. It was in the Bradley Center. Remember the Raptors series? I was there for game six. They were down 24 at halftime. They came back in the second half. Bradley Center was shaking. It was the Jason Terry game. Oh, it was electric. Bucks lost uh, that game, by the way. It was still great. I watched Giannis saying 52 on Philly in April of 2019 and then call Ben Simmons an effing baby. That was an awesome game. It was also a game that they lost. I saw Bucks Kings last February. It was Pride Night, if that matters to you. Uh, no Giannis, no Fox. The Bucks won, I think. I can barely remember. It's $20 rum and Cokes, man. Like, they're 20 bucks for a reason. Like, yeah, if I serve Jack's prices up, but there's also a lot of liquor in those. Uh, Saturday was about Drew Holiday and his brothers. Drew had 34, Justin had 10. Aaron hit a three, too. It was pretty cool to watch him trade buckets back and forth. I kept talking with the guy next to me at the game. Giannis looks tired. We're saying, yeah, Atlanta has some guys they can throw at Giannis. Like Onyeka Kongwu can give him issues. Capella's a big body. Giannis only had four points in the first half and then finished with 34 because, of course, he did. Final six minutes of the game, Giannis was six for six with 15 points. He was unbelievable. Pistons game on Monday night, the Bucks kept going up like 12, 13, 14 points, and then Detroit would reel them back in. Drew just smoked a step back three on Monday night with about 45 seconds left that put him up. That was fantastic. Drew almost had a triple-double. He had 25-7-10. and 10. Giannis also had 31 in this game, uh, but that's just assumed. Giannis, I don't even think fully has it yet. His floaters aren't dialed in. The jumper really isn't there yet. The mid-range stuff is mid at this point. He's still getting dialed in. He said after Sunday's game that he still hasn't found that big game feeling yet, which, man, must be tough to be the king. None of these guys can make you feel pressure at all. Right, he's played in bead once already, played the Sixers, played the Nets, although the Nets are they're a different thing. We'll talk about the Nets tomorrow in the NBA Lounge. I don't know how deep I want to go down that rabbit hole. I listened to a couple of podcasts today about the Nets. Bill Simmons did one with Rajah Bell, which was mostly underwhelming. I was hoping for better. I listened to the Low Post, which had the first half with Nick Ferdell, and they talked for about 45 minutes. And it's funny because you can do a 45 to 60-minute podcast on the Nets right now and not talk about Ben Simmons at all, which is insane. It's insane because there's enough going on even without bringing Ben Simmons into the story. It's just wild. But that's tomorrow, right? Giannis and the Bucks have played some of these games and some of these teams, and Giannis says, yeah, I still haven't found that big game feeling yet, which is hilarious. Look, the Bucks are just so sure of who they are. Cornucopia Roller said that this is just a team that's so perfect. They are because unlike Brooklyn or Philly or Boston, all for different reasons. The game is so much easier for the Bucs because they can just worry about the basketball. They have roster continuity. They have coaching continuity. There's no off-the-court drama. There's nothing like that. They just play basketball, and they know who they are. So when things get tight against the Pistons, 
even though the game got close towards the end, it's like, well, it's okay. We know who we are. We know what we're good at. We'll just pull out a couple good possessions and we'll cruise to a victory. Or what Giannis did at the end of Saturday night's game. Giannis had some issues. Okongwu met him at the rim at one point. Capella's giving him trouble. John Collins is big. He's not a good defender, but he's big. Right? And then Giannis scores 30 points in the second half, and then they win, and he's 6-6 six six in the final couple of minutes, and he's just unbelievable. This team is just so awesome, and they can just execute at such a high level at the end, and they don't even have one of their biggest crunch time scorers in Chris Middleton, who can basically score and shoot from anywhere and always get a shot. And then Pat Connaughton, who's one of your knockdown three-point shooters, although Wesley Matthews has stood in just fine. One guy I want to specifically talk about, uh, Brooke Lopez. And maybe because I just realized what time it is, we can finish the show coming up next with some Brooke Lopez talk. There's a couple of things I want to say about Brooke Lopez, uh, reasons we should appreciate him and talk about him more. Why don't we take one final break and we'll do that next. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show and get it to the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, last couple of minutes on some of these stations. The Bucks are coming up next. And in some stations, the Bill Michaels Huddle. I'll be on the Bill Michaels Huddle at like 7-ish, I think. I'm going to go home and have myself a night. A lot of basketball on tonight, World Series. I just like the little rivalry forming in the morning versus Ben Kenny's teams and whoever is playing Ben Kenny's teams, which is who Rowdy has attached himself to. (laughs) Uh, And I'm just really enjoying that. I was listening to a little bit of that on Over the Line this morning when Ben hopped in. I don't know if it was like 920, 930, whatever. Bill Michaels Huddle coming up next. I, amidst the cast of others, will be there. We're talking bucks for a couple minutes to close the show. One thing I just wanted to put out there, you know, cornucopia roller, damn it, called in and said that we need to appreciate this Bucks team, and I agree, absolutely. One part of this team we need to appreciate is Brooke Lopez, right? He's playing unbelievable basketball right now. Over 15 points a game, three and a half blocks a game, which is the best in the NBA, shooting 36% from three. He looks spry. And remember, his minute total last year went way down because he was nursing a back injury. So these are his minute totals for his four years in Milwaukee. Played 2,332 minutes in 1819. 1,800 minutes in 1920, 1,900 minutes in 2020, 2021, in 68 and 70 games, respectively. And then last year, he played 298 minutes, which is basically zero. And those are regular season totals, so that doesn't count the playoffs. But he's rested. A lot of miles didn't go on his legs last year, so no wonder he looks great. It was like when Al Horford got a year to basically rest and recoup in um, – Oklahoma City before rejoining Boston after being in Philly and in Boston goes to OKC gets a year off and then he looks great in Boston last year no wonder another reason to appreciate Brooke Lopez and this is something we'll talk more about tomorrow in the NBA lounge I watched the Wolves last night they're paying Cat 33 million this season 36 next he's not 25% of the defender that Brooke Lopez is Brooke Lopez is making 13 million dollars this season Minnesota Gave up four first-round picks, a pick swap, Walker Kessler, who was this year's first-round pick, and four players for Rudy Gobert. And I'm not even sure Gobert is a better player than Lopez is this season. Not even factoring in the money, which is huge. Gobert's making 38. Brooke Lopez is making 13. I say all that to say this. When we look back at this Bucks run, and at the very least the 2021 championship, hopefully we get another one, I hope we remember Brooke Lopez accurately, which is an invaluable 
well-rounded winning player. And he does everything well at a position where so many other players are specialists. Rudy Gobert's getting paid to block shots, and he's not doing it at a high enough level to contend with Brooke Lopez. Cat's getting paid a bunch of money to score points, and he does score points, but not that many more points than Brooke Lopez. It's a position of specialists, and in a position of specialists, Brooke Lopez is well-rounded and as winning of a player as you will find. Watch Brooke Lopez. Appreciate him. And he's funny and likable. The Bucks are likable. They're awesome. Watch him tonight. They play the Pistons in a little bit. Bill Michaels Huddle coming up next. Bucks coming up next. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4.